Okay, so what do we think of book four now that we're all, all done with it? Completely done with it. Um, friendship, love, relationship between them. Rivers getting married. Why does it end or all but end? That is, why is the um, equivalent in book four, let's say, of going into the house of care or the house of temperance or the house of holiness, um, why does that occur in the marriage between Thames and Medway? Why have that marriage? Th 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 this is a question about understanding allegory. Why have that marriage feast? Um, what's the point of having um, that in a way, be the pageant event of book four. We've seen pageantry of one sort or another in every book that we've looked at, right? There's the pageant in the House of Pride in book one. There's the mask of Buserain in book three. Ben? I mean, um, Spencer talks about how you know, the, the love between a man and a woman is uh, somehow not quite as good as a bond of friendship, but at the same time, we talked about how uh, certain marital bonds, uh, when they're when they're really the best marital bonds, are the ones that also contain friendship. And right. I mean, what is better than a an allegorical representation of an eternal friendship, where you know two rivers have remained together since you know at least as long as. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they, because of their constant bond, they, they represent sort of an eternal union. Yeah. Okay, good. So the, so the rivers are always bonding. Part of what's, um, what's interesting about it is that although we're getting this wedding as, as a single event, um, it's like uh, the letter E with the letter S for single hanging on it, <laughs> Um, or the letter, I, I forget which way it goes. But at any rate, it's a single event. It's also an event which is a constant event. That is, the Thames and Medway are always merging. Um, in a way, the very idea that you think about rivers, um, whenever rivers are represented narratively, and there are lots of narratives about rivers. Um, Finnegan's Wake is probably the greatest and longest narrative about the life of a river. Um, what you do, what you do, is you narrate in time something that happens in space, um, and that's because because we define the river both as the thing on a map that extends, let's say, from wherever the Charles begins to Boston Harbor, um, but also the thing that flows. So the river flows from wherever the Charles begins to Boston Harbor, and we're thinking of a river as both temporal and spatial. In the same way, we read a book as both temporal and spatial. The book is always there. You can flip to any page. But when you read it, you're reading a story that's unfolding through time. And the very idea of allegory is a combination of the temporal and the spatial in that way. Allegory is, is the truth about how things are eternally, but it's given to you as a narrative that unfolds over time um, in the same way that the rivers meet and marry and then go together from then on. So that's one really important answer to the prominence of that that wedding within the Fairy Queen. Um, Julian, uh, I was um, I was reading this and I was reminded a little bit of uh, I mean, the Tigers and Euphrates, so an Eden uh, Eden story where we have the original man and wife or 
Okay, yeah. And, um, you know, the famous line about Eden is that um, a river runs through it, which gives um, the title to Norman MacLean. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's also part of a generalized um, way of spent, that Spencer has of moving um, biblical and mythological events into um, an English and also into an Irish landscape. Um, so, yes, yeah, somewhere the Tigris and the Euphrates and um, the rivers of Eden are being thought about there. Um, what about forgetting the rivers, although they matter? Um, what about the idea of um, a marriage as central to the Book of Friendship? Why, how, why is marriage so important in the Book of Friendship? Who gets, who, what marriages, what stories of people getting married, um, either in the past or in the future, um, do we hear about in this book? Yeah. There's, uh, there's Campbell and Camina, uh -huh. and also Tremond and Canessee. Canessee, yeah. Canessee. Okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of a weird story where... Well, so what is that story? Um, we have three brothers. Uh, Named? Triamond Diamond. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Triamond. First, second, and third, in other words. <laughs> they come from, they come from uh, Chaucer. Okay, go on. Uh, yeah, and, they, uh, and their mother uh, gives them a certain power where they're able to, uh, they can transfer their, their souls to, to one another. Uh-huh. Uh, so... Um, they come to a tournament, and uh, Campbell kills one. What's the tournament for? Um, it's a competition for what reason? For, I don't remember, plural? No, that was different. Campbell protecting his sister. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so if anyone defeats Campbell, he gets to marry... Sorry? His sister. His sister, yeah. Um, so that, that goes way back in mythologi to mythological times. That is, the um, marry or die, win or die, win the lady or die. Um, so that's a standard mythological story. Um, and that's where the apple of discord comes from. Um, so do people know this? The story of, of the apple of discord? Um is it worth going into? No. Um, you don't know from Ovid? It's one of the previous books. Yeah, but it's also that... Um, oh, actually, this book. Merchant of Venice, also the caskets. Yeah, mm. although, yeah, okay. Um, all right, so so um, the first person to try his hand is... And, and he dies. Um, that's not so good. The second person, Diamond, and he dies. And then the third person... And what happens then? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what happens? Who intervenes? Yeah, let's stop fighting and let's all get married. I want to marry you. Yeah. So you've killed Yeah. <laughs> um, you've killed my two brothers. Um, so 
So, yeah. Um, so marriage and friends. So wh why is that the official story of book four? In other words, the, what book four is supposedly, <coughs> is supposedly about as the book of friendship is the story of those three knights and how they combine to be the knight of that book. Um, the title of book four is um, officially, if I can find it, um, the fourth book of the Fairy Queen containing the legend of Campbell and Telamond or friendship. So who does Telamond turn out to be? Triamond. Um, Telamond probably is a name referring to the earth. That is that, um, that the souls don't um, get destroyed, but they continue um, somehow to, to transfer power upon this earth. But it's the friendship between Campbell and Telamond, which is also the, the friendship of Campbell and Trimond. So it contains the legend, but really it only contains it. Um, it, it's that part of the legend is only two cantos of book four. Um, nevertheless, why are they the ones focused on? Why is that so important to understanding everything that goes on in book four? What does their story say that with respect to what does it do for the rest of book four? Where does, how does that story organize book four? potential solution to all of the discord that occurs in book four because there's a lot, I mean we have Ate who is discord, but yeah. there's a lot of that going on in this sort of fighting and tournament it happens not just in their story but the tournament that they then participate in and it seems to, to posit marriage as a solution to discord or lust and, and their friendship too is created out of that mm -hmm. marriage. Okay, so let's say that there are three horizontal, that is to say, single generational, um, within, within a single generation, um, ways of um, being very close to another person. Um, what are they? And the story of, of um, Campbell and Triamond gives you all three. Sorry? Siblings. Siblings is one. Good. Friends. Friends. Marriage. Okay, so you have two sets of siblings in the story. What? Who are the sets of siblings? Well, you've got Trimond and then his sister, which is... Kennedy. Yeah, Kennedy. Uh-huh. And then... And his two brothers. Right. Okay, so that's one set. And the other set? And Campbell and Kambina. So there you have... I mean, just think of this as... Um, one of those. Yeah. No. Canacy is uh, Triamond's sister. And Cambina is... No, hang on. Oh, my yes. God. Cambina is Triamond's sister. And Canacy is Campbell's sister. I always thought it was very odd that they weren't named similarly. Oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Mary's because... Campina. Yeah, 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 which is the allegory part of it. Yeah. It's silly, but the point is that... that no, that you're right, and it is very confusing. self-substitution. Yes. Yeah, so in other, words, in other words, you substitute into a place where you get the perfect um, substitution. That is to say that um, when um, Campbell and Cambina marry, mm. 
Um, the point of that is they're made for each other. Um, so you're right, it is very confusing because you think, oh, the siblings would be made for each other, but no, it turns out that the, um, that the spouses are made for each other. No, so you're quite right, and everyone always, including me, always gets those things wrong. Um, so, but then what happens is you have siblings, and what you have are two antagonistic groups, one group of siblings versus another group of siblings. And the solution to that antagonism, so the siblings, I mean, you can almost think of this as the way meiosis works. That is, that you have cells dividing and recombining and producing daughter cells that then um, themselves um, divide and recombine. Yeah, it's almost like when they were triplets in the body, um, they just got one lifeline and yeah. divided it in three. Right, exactly. Which is what the mother thought when she saw their threads so short. Yeah. Okay, good, exactly. So that the siblings are also friends, at least the male siblings are also friends with each other. So Aristotle's definition of um, friend, does anyone know? Is the one Spencer's working with? Famous definition? A friend is a second self, he says. Um, and so that what he means by that is you think of your friend as being yourself. Um, it's a debate as to whether you actually believe that. That is, that someone who is your friend is, you are so close to them as to somehow merge with them, or whether it's actually an act of, of generosity with respect to that friend, that um, that friend is as important to you as yourself is, without that friend actually being yourself. Um, in <clears throat> Wuthering Heights, when Catherine says very famously, I don't love Heathcliff. I am Heathcliff. I am Heathcliff. <laughs> yes and no. Um, I am Heathcliff. Um, that's a that's a much more modern version of the same dynamic. Um, so but he was appalled to think that it was not sexual. Well, <laughs> um, I like Heathcliff. One should. Um, <laughs> me or Heathcliff? No, Heathcliff. <laughs> He's just Byron. Um, so the three brothers, do they have one self or not? Um, if they don't have one self, what do we feel has happened? And if they do have one self, what do we feel has happened? Well, it's interesting that each of them has two parts of a whole. Priamon is not so stout or strong or one of them, but he's good with two weapons, uh -huh. two different modes of battle. Yeah. They each have an equal number of things. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, Triamond ends up getting it all. Yeah. Yeah, so they all combine in him. Is he a triple person or a single person? In other words, is he a person with three souls or with one? Well, he loses two of them, so yeah. <laughs> he ends up with one. Yeah, so do we feel, oh no, two souls have died? That's really sad? No, because he seems to be just a a third who is now a whole. Uh-huh. So what about those other two souls? They were expendable. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the way we feel. In other words, part of the point of this is that we don't feel anyone's really died. Yeah. We're, we're shocked because it looks like they've died. But then it turns out, well, they haven't died, and then They've it looks like they've died again. They've just um, been incorporated. And it's also very telling that Canacy doesn't, like, interrupt the first two deaths. Yeah. Yeah, it's but but it's only the third one. 
that she does. Um, okay, so, so in some sense, those souls get bound together. Um, and then they, um, that binding together is one sense, one way that siblings can be bound together. But in this case now, the question is, um, who does, who, who marries when Triamond marries? Is it three souls marrying or one? That is, is Canacee married to three brothers or to one brother? One. And what happened to the other two? They helped take him and then they went somewhere else. Wouldn't that be sad? Mm -hmm. It combined within him? It's a trinity sort of deal. There is a trinity sort of deal. Three and one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first world, the second world, and the third world. Suddenly one world. Yeah. In some sense, it's that being a, what, what you get, the reason they're the center of it, you could say, is that what you get is the sense that friendship takes the form in them. You have friendship and being siblings and marrying, all of those things combined. And that triple combination of those three versions of, um, of, mutual esteem or of bonding through love. Um, all of those things occur so that if, if um, Priamont and Diamond are actually dead, in one way they are, but in another way they aren't, because all they care about is Triamond. That is, all they care about is each other. And as long as one survives, all survive. Even if two die, it's almost as though what Spencer is saying is, even if two die, the survival of one is the survival of all. And it's the survival of all um, in the same way that the river continues all the way to the sea. Um, the unmarried Medway um, still exists even after the unmarried Medway uh, marries the Thames and becomes part of the Thames. The flow of their souls, the thread of their lives um, combine and the loss is not a true loss. The Medway isn't lost when it combines with the Thames in the same way Prime and Diamond aren't lost when, um, when they leave um, and are combined with Triamond. Um, then Triamond marries Canace and becomes best buds with... Except they're clearly not dead because they are in him. So the enemies become friends. Um, and what you get is a telescoping of all these friendships together. You get, uh, you get Triamond, Diamond, Priamond, um, telescoped together, marrying Canace, becoming friends with Campbell, um, who is... Um, married to Cambina, who's also best friends with Canace. So if you, were to, if you were to chart this, what you would have is telescoping in all directions. Um, it's almost as though they would, that, that you're starting with five different people who combine into a single very powerful unit so that they can exchange, um, they, they can exchange their own being. It's also that story then is unpacked a little bit, or you get a simpler version of it in the story of Placidus and... Um, yes, 
It yes. was Placidus, I forgot. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, and Placidus, who, um, and Ennius, and what happens there with marriage in that story? That's a kind of um, um, Tale of Two Cities story, isn't it? Mm. So, what happens in it? Plot summarize, somewhat. Giant, yeah. young daughter, Pena. Uh-huh. Um, she's very lustful. She likes the squire of low degree, Amius, and he thinks to get out of being captured, the solution is to just do what she wants. Then there's the squire who looks like him, and that's Placidus. And so they come up with some scheme, I think, to switch places. Yeah. In a grand sort of parent trap fashion. Um, and it, it works, I guess. Placidus escapes, but Amius <coughs> is still there, which which seemed like actually it didn't work since <laughs> they were trying to free Amius. But, um, yeah, and then they go in, and Arthur, is it, chops off the giant's head. They mm-hmm. sneak back in, free Amius, and Placidus marries Pena. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so the person you think is going to be the villain, or one of the villains, the Duessa figure, Pena. Poena ends up marrying Placidus. So again, that's a, that's already been set up for in the story of, of um, the Mond brothers and Campbell. Um, that is that um, enmity ends with friendship and marriage. That some combination of friendship and marriage can solve the problem <coughs> of enmity. Obviously, this is what happens when royal offspring marry. That is to say that um, England and Spain might go to war unless the Spanish, um, uh, the heir to the Spanish throne marries the heir to the English throne. And then maybe that'll solve that problem of war and make friendship a possibility. Um, so politically, this is, they're, they're, they're meant, this is a very familiar scenario in Spencer's day. Julian. Um, I, have, uh, I have an issue with the, the Mond brothers uh, with the story. Um, the whole, I mean, the, the whole story is set up essentially by by their mother, who gives them this power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I can't figure out what kind of mother would do that to her kids, where she would, uh, where she would, I guess, I guess, in, in one way entrust them with each other's lives, but also another way give them an incentive to, or not incentive, but you know, I don't know, it might be, uh, you know, predict or prophesy or something that they they will have to give each other their lives. And it's. It's sweet, but it's also, you know, if you're going to give your kids a power, why not give them you know, immortality or some other, you know, <laughs> risk something else uh, other than other than their siblings? Because it, it kind of makes things a lot more brutal in the family. Should, uh, in a sense, it is to. immortality. Yeah. She just wanted to not lose all of them. Right, it's a little selfish that I don't want to lose my kids, so at least one of them will live, but I don't care what happens to the other two. You know, if I'm giving them a power, I might as well give them something better than that. But the other two will combine with that. Yeah, it's like cloning. Well, I think it was because their 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 strings were short, so they were going to die anyway. Mm. So it wasn't like, well, let's just have them combine. It, it was when she, she wanted them to be able to live indefinitely. You can't really change fate, so the alternative was to give them this power. So I don't know. But which really requires them to share a single self. It's not only yeah. that the thread of their life is combined so that well one dies but um, I'm now owed 20 years of life which um, you know which which the other one is going to inherit 
it's that somehow they are a single cell. Um, the modern biological version of this is uh, mosaic twins. Do people know about those? Um, they're very creepy. Do you want to explain? I don't know enough to be able to explain, but I have. Okay, so um, uh, the way identical twins works, you probably know, is that the embryo divides in the womb, and now you have um, two identical um, beings um, come into existence. Sometimes those embryos, sometimes you will see, um, is any of you a twin? Any of you left-handed? Aha, uh -huh, you might be a twin without knowing it. Um, for all, <laughs> for, ten, for, for 10 twin conceptions, there's one twin birth. Um, uh, so, and there's a theory that might be true that um, all left-handed people are twins or surviving twins. Mirror um, not, images. Yeah, 90% of twins um, don't survive. They're reabsorbed, aren't they? Well, so they they can often be reabsorbed with identical twins. They can be reabsorbed by the embryo by the original embryo. So what can happen is the embryo can split and then recombine, and um, <laughs> that isn't that's not where left-handedness comes from. Mm -hmm. um, but that means that one reason there are not as many twin births as twin conceptions. The major reason is most twins die. Um, but one reason uh, there might not be as many twin births as twin conceptions is that there's, uh, the twins are conceived and then they uh, return and, and one child is born. And the question for abortion rights advocates as well as for everyone else is, so were there two persons when there were two embryos? And if they recombined into one person, um, was there, were there ever two persons there or not? Um, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting metaphysical question um, if you believe that, that personhood begins at conception. Um, the more interesting thing that can occasionally happen is that fraternal twins, people know what fraternal twins are? That is, they come from separate eggs. So they were twins from the start. Um, and they're actually more common than identical twins. Um, fraternal twins will sometimes combine the way identical twins um, will, will, will separate and then combine again very shortly afterwards. Sometimes fraternal twins will combine. Um, that happens very rarely. Um, and one way that you can see it happens is occasionally you'll find people who have two blood types. Um, and that's a really good sign that they're combined fraternal twins. Um, and those are called mosaic twins. So what you actually have is a single human being that started out as definitely two separate genetic entities um, that got combined. So that's what Spencer is thinking about, although he doesn't know it. Um, that is that, that Triamond is a mosaic made up of his brothers. So in the same way that a mosaic person has a single self, that is, um, if, you, if you meet a mosaic twin, a lot of people, um, um, usually they don't know it. It was only in blood typing that anyone ever found out that they were mosaic. Um, but um, of course a mosaic person um, is a person and has a single self. Um, and yet somehow that single self um, comes out of two original sources, like the Thames and the Medway. Um, in the same way that the Thames and the Medway become the Thames, Diamond and Priamond 
and Triamond become Triamond. And they're still, they're one person. Um, they have one self. And they're all there somehow. So these are interesting metaphysical problems about um, subjectivity and thought. But in a way, they're problems that you can solve if you put friendship above selfhood or subjectivity. Um, so the two ways of understanding Aristotle as a friend is a second self um, is that um, if you decide it doesn't matter whether um, you are so close to the friend as to have his or her own experience or just that you care so much about the friend that his or her own experience is all that counts for you those two different ways of understanding Aristotle um, stop mattering as long as all you care about is what happens to the friend. And in that way, siblinghood, um, like the siblinghood between Belphoebe and Amoret as well, siblinghood becomes friendship. Remember what, why the story of Belphoebe and Amoret and Timaeus? What does that have to do with the story of the Mond brothers and Campbell and Canise and Cambina. How is that a simplification of that story? How does that fit in with all the other stories we've been looking at? What happens? How does Amrit get wounded? Hmm. She's wounded by Timaeus, who's trying to do what? Because the weird fellow uses her as a buckler. Yes, as a shield, mm. um, which is pretty disgusting. Mm -hmm. um, a human shield, as we say. Um, and Timaeus wounds her where? Go ahead. In her uh, heart, uh, near the middle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, and then saves her, and then he, then um, what, what does Belphoebe come in upon? Him treating her wound. Yeah, him treating her wound. Yeah. So and what's interesting is that they're never said to look alike. That's what I like about that, that they're clearly fraternal. They never... Belphoebe and Amorite. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know they're twins. Yeah. No. I mean, I obviously they don't. I mean, there's no like recognition moment where, oh, you look a bit like me. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Whereas the, the prime and, and so on, they seem to be a single cell as yeah. well as a single cell. Right. They're identical. Right, exactly. Okay, so, but nevertheless, what Belphoebe, just in terms of the structure of the story, Belphoebe sees Timaeus worried about her twin sister. Um, and this gets her very angry. So there you have dissension among siblings and dissension among twins, the opposite, you could say, of the, um, of the Prima Diamond, Triamond story. Um, on the other hand, um, think of it as, as something for Timaeus. So first of all, Amorite gets wounded. Why? What does that mean allegorically? For Amorite to get wounded. What does it mean for Britomart to get wounded? What is wounding meaning in books three and four? When you get wounded, what does that mean? Love struck. Love struck, yes. 
you get wounded by sight. That, that's consistently what seems to happen, is you see someone and it causes a wound. Yeah? I mean, do you, do you think Emirate actually is lost by I th Yeah, I do. Um, I think that is that um, Amrit has a moment of finding Timius dazzling and attractive, and she's a person who, if we if we understand Buserain as her fear of Scudamore, um, then there's a moment when suddenly she is wounded by love, but it's not love of Scudamore. Um, she has this this quick crush on Timius. That seems not okay unless you see her as somehow a proxy for Belphoebe. That is to say that if being the equivalent of someone else, if what book four is about is what, the, what equivalents, what second selves do, again, we're thinking in some ways in allegorical terms. That is, that a second self is a proxy or a representation of the first self. Um, the other self is a representation of oneself. Where can Queen Elizabeth see herself portrayed? This is what this is the introduction to this whole shebang. Well, Phoebe, but also now we know Amaret. And also Gloriana. And Gloria. So the ve very first thing that um, um, Spencer says in the proem to book three is if you want to see yourself portrayed, if you want to see your portrait head, as he puts it, you can see it in Gloriana or in Belphoebe. Um, so there are two mirror images of Elizabeth who somehow stand for each other um, because they're both versions of Elizabeth. Then you have Britomart looking in a mirror. And what does she see in a mirror? She sees herself, because that's what you see in a mirror. But that's because Artigal is herself, her second self, as her spouse. But Artigal is equal to Arthur. That is, Artigal and Arthur, in some sense, are friends because they are um, equivalent selves. Because Artigal is Arthur's second self, or Arthur is Artigal's second self. Um, then, what, therefore, what makes it possible for people to be wounded and to um, experience love, I mean, I, how do I want to put this? Um, every, the problem with understanding Spencer is that you believe at first that the allegory, and I've, and I've been pushing this as a way to try to get you beyond it, but now I have to say something more complicated. You believe at first that if you read Spencer allegorically, then you're, reading, you, then you're giving the Christian reading of Spencer. Whereas if you read Spencer for the plot, which is what we've been doing, and for the characters, which is what we've been doing, then you're doing the, um, the this world's life-affirming version of Spencer. Let's call it the Christian version of Spencer, where the aesthetics is the aesthetic glory and beauty of the poem is only a delivery system for its moral, or the hedonist version of Spencer, which is the version that I'm pushing, and I think the version that Spencer himself is pushing, which is that the aesthetic glory of the poem is what makes it great, and it's not the moral, but the aesthetic glory. Um, that would be Oscar Wilde's um, version of Spencer, the Oscar Wilde of the preface to the picture of Dorian Gray. 
um, the where the morality of art is simply the greatness of the art. Um, so, nevertheless, the third problem is that we've been treating it, or maybe the, the solution is we've been treating the poem to some extent as giving you an allegory for the conflict between hedonism and allegory. Um, and the question now is, on what side does that allegory fall? Now what I want to say is, by the time you get to book four of The Fairy Queen, by the time you get to book four of The Fairy Queen, the poem is highly allegorical again, but the allegory is no longer an allegory of Christian morality. The allegory is an allegory of human psychology. It used to be an allegory of human moral psychology. That is to say why you should be holy and keep yourself holy and temperate and so on. But now it's an allegory. There's almost an assumption that good guys are good guys, but they get into trouble because to be a human being is to have a complicated relation to everyone around you. And here it's almost as though you're getting a psychological allegory which is fully cognizant of human complexity, um, which, is to say, which is to say, I would say, that the Fairy Queen is turning into comedy, which is a good thing. Um, and the way that works is to say, look, it's perfectly natural to be in love with one person but to get a crush on another. That's what Amorit does. Um, and not to want to have sex with the person you're in love with because sex is fearful and um, you're frightened of sex, but to get a crush on someone you're not going to have sex with. This is a very common human experience that um, people, when they're about to get married, are very anxious about um, the first time they're going to have sex with this person and lose their virginity. And one way to distract themselves from that anxiety is to go get a crush on another person um, and to think that that crush is what really matters. It's the commonest thing in the world to get a crush just before you're supposed to get married. To feel, to feel a crush for someone on your very wedding day. And partly it's common because it's impossible. That is because there's nothing threatening about that crush. Um, because nothing is going to happen um, until you get to a movie like The Graduate. Um, nothing <laughs> is going to happen. Um, it's clear which way things are going to go. Um, so let's say that that's a very natural story that's being told about Amorit and Timaeus. That Timaeus saves her and she gets a crush on him. And Belphoebe, who's in love with Timaeus, gets really pissed off. But she gets over it. Um, because she sees that, okay, she has a crush on him, but it's not his fault. Um, and it's also not that serious. He's being nice to her. He's being friendly to her. But whatever is going on between Amoret and Timaeus, um, Amoret, as Belphoebe's twin, whether she knows it or not, Amoret as Belphoebe's twin, um, through bonds which are non-exclusive, um, Amoret as Belphoebe's twin can also stand for, allegorically, for the relationship between Timaeus and Belphoebe, which is the one that counts. So the three bonds we've been talking about, siblinghood, friendship, and love. Siblinghood and friendship are one, share something that love doesn't which is that love, that is erotic love, is an exclusive bond between the two lovers. And the exclusiveness of that bond leads potentially to isolation and um, separation 
so that you would just have couples who are only connected to each other, but who are therefore um, antagonistic to every other couple. And there's plenty of anxiety about that in Book Four of the Fairy Queen, and it tends to be what happens among the bad guys. Um, all there is no friendship among the bad guys. Everything is jealousy um, in pursuit of the of an erotic object. Among the good guys, though, you have the exclusive sexual bond between spouses, but that doesn't prevent non-exclusive bonding perpendicular, orthogonal to that, to siblings, to friends. And um, because there is that bonding with siblings and friends who are second selves, the fact that there is some relation between your brother and your girlfriend, between your sister and your boyfriend, between your friend and your boyfriend, the fact that those relations are occurring also they occur under the sign of friendship rather than under the sign of love. And as long as they occur under the sign of friendship, the non-exclusivity of friendship makes it possible for your girlfriend to be friends with your friend. That's still okay. You're friends with them, so your girlfriend can be friends with them as well. Um, so friendship allows for not only can I be friends with my pal, and your erotic partner, which is the way it seems at first, if it's all an allegory for me. But friendship says everything is not for you, it's for others as well, for your friends. That's the whole point about friendship, is it defeats the idea of allegory is focused on a single subject. And it so far defeats it that friendship allows for a triangle where your lover and your friend can be friends without you having to be part of that at all, um, without its being for you in any way at all. Friendship allows for that kind of expansion. Okay, what we're going to do tomorrow, you should start reading book five, and they'll, there really will be a quiz on book five on Monday, so finish it for Monday. This is, um, now this is the stick to make you catch up. Um, but we will talk about the Temple of Venus tomorrow before we start, before we get into book five. Okay. Did you hear about that half twin thing? Um, no, 